This is Daniel King, and you're listening to George Fox Talks Wellness. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for coming back to hearing to listen to our podcast. I'm super excited to talk about this topic. This topic is going to be about physical activity and playing children and families. And I have my um, colleague and good friend, Ryan Jacobson. Ryan Jacobson is a physical therapist and also a pediatric certified specialist. And I just wanted to invite him because he's been working with families for and children for a long time. How long have you been practicing for? Uh, 21 years. 21 years. Yeah. So what got you into working with children and families? I, want, I wondered to myself this question because all the time, because all my like jobs as a kid, you know, my summer jobs were like camps and, you know, uh, t-ball instructor and that kind of stuff. And um, I went to college to be a band director. You know, I wanted, I wanted to have that high school band and that jazz band, the traveling and all that stuff. And, and about, I don't know end of sophomore year, I was kind of burning out. And I just over that summer volunteered at Marybridge Children's Hospital in Tacoma. And I literally said, you can get paid to do this. This is amazing. <laughs> um, and I just I just changed, changed course. Um, I went to the PT school there at Puget Sound, found the director and said, how do I get into this? And I just knew I want to play with kids. I want to do the science of playing with kids. I want to have the fun of playing with kids. Um, I love families. And that's how it started, I guess. Wow. So, I mean, today's topic about play mm -hmm. and physical activity, can you kind of give us a definition of what those things are? Because I hear a lot of people talk about playing, and I think a, the probably the thing that pops up the most right now is like playing on your computer or on your iPad or on your iPhone, right? right. And doing those kinds of things. But I think that what we want to do is we want to kind of define like what play is yeah. and maybe, you know, include maybe what physical activity looks like, right? With play. Okay. Yeah. Could you do that? Yeah, I, I could try. Um, so when you play, a lot of things happen, you know, kids or adults. Um, one thing is it's kind of like self-initiated, like it's a thing you want to do. Um, you access this imaginative or this creative space or, or this idea space. And uh, quite often there's like things or objects you want to do mm. something with. And um, so that's an aspect of play. You have, a, I guess you'd say, kind of like. A detachment from like the concrete world, at least the concrete world and how it functions uh, with doing things, you know, whether if we're adults, our work or if we're kids, our, our tasks or things we have to do, mm -hmm. uh, you get out of that space, you, you find play to be really motivating, it lights you up. And it's something uh, it, it feels and this is how it feels to me. It feels like you access a different space of, of your soul. Mm. And, and that's pretty fun because um, so much of our life, adults and even kids these days, is not accessing that space. And so play really is this kind of, don't call it an escape, mm. but it's more of a place where we can access some things we don't access otherwise in our life. Um, it's engagement it's relationship, it's creativity. And so some play is physical and involves physical activity. I mean, we always think about playing sport or mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. Uh, 
physical activity would be like a subcategory, and some physical activity is not play. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I guess you're doing the Venn diagram thing where they overlap, but they each have their own little yeah. side of it. Because um, when when you say physical activity, people might think exercise; they might think just getting out. Um, at at its root, it's not sitting and not or not laying down and not leaning against something. Yeah. So the minute we're active, we're physically active. So if I can take that and maybe move it to a different direction about um, from the physical realm to maybe the virtual realm. Right. Because when we were when we were kids. Yes. You know, um, 20 years, 30 years ago, 40, 40 years ago, uh, we didn't really have like uh, computers or anything like that. I remember my first memory actually being with Hot Wheels. And to this day, when I go to Freddy's or Target, I still go and look at Hot Wheels. And that is true. My kids always laugh at me because that's something I did as a kid. And I used to always love playing with Hot Wheels. Um, I don't see Hot Wheels seem to not be so popular these days with the kids. You know, I don't see too many people like going and collecting Hot Wheels like when I was a kid. And I think that what I see is a lot of people playing these other games, you know, um, going back to play, um, playing more virtual, right? Mm -hmm. These uh, games and they connect online. And from a physical therapist standpoint, I mean, Mm -hmm. do you see that a lot with like physical inactivity or just overall creativity with being in the physical realm versus like being in a virtual realm? Or do you think it's all good and you can just call it play in general? The mere fact that I'm pausing means I don't think it's all good. Um, But at the risk of saying something people always say is it's nuanced. Mm. Um, For example, uh, kids who game a lot, Mm -hmm. some game in isolation, some game in a very relational way. Some show up at the gaming store near my house in Hillsdale Mm -hmm. and game together Mm side by side. Um, so you can't, you can't just say, okay, gaming's making us less social, for example. Um, however, as a physical therapist, it's undeniable that movement integrated with play or movement integrated with anything adds to the, adds to the, the benefit, the wellness, the, the soul building. Um, mm-hmm. Not to the exclusion of the others don't do it in other ways, but uh, as a physical therapist, I have more and more come to understand how much moving and kinesthetically experiencing something that you're also really emotionally in and soulfully in and creatively in uh, just brings value every time. Mm. So let's talk about that. I I think about movement, right? I mean, you're talking about play and then adding the movement component. And I will use the example again with the Hot Wheels. Um, I can look at the Hot Wheel, right? But that never, that only lasted for one second. I would look at it (laughs) and then I would see how it rolled. Right. So then I will I usually would spin the wheels. Right. And then, of course, you have to get on the ground and you got to push it. And then you would then go outside and you would roll it down hills. Set up tracks. Exactly. So there was a movement component. Right. Mm -hmm. Of creativity and trying to figure out how fast or how how well it it could go. right? Right. And so that was a big component. Do you think like movement? Then from uh, a standpoint of like creativity or um, just overall well-being, I think you said it, but like how important do you think that is for children to not just sit there and like watch it happen, but to actually get up and like move around? We talk about this a lot in our PT program. It depends on what the outcome you want is. And so uh, many people have seen Ender's Game, mm. right? 
super cool story about this future where living is more and more virtual and the physical world is not. Um, some people would say that's apocalyptic. Other people would say, well, that's just an, an iteration of what humans are doing. Mm. But if the outcome is health, wellness, feeding my soul, creating, imagining, innovating a future in, in a world because we are in a physical world. If the outcome is that kids need to have that as a component of their play. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. But don't you think that culture is or our society is keeping us from like physical activity? Cause I saw that the CDC put out, you know, every year, like the physical inactivity scores right. and it looks like children are like what 15, 20% are actually doing physical activity with a recommended of like, how much is it an hour a day? Hour a day. Yep. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's the percentage? Do you remember? I don't, but it's, it's going down. Yeah. It's going yeah. down. Right. Yes. And it's becoming a, it's becoming a health issue. Yes. Right. So from that standpoint, you know, what is it that you think that we can do or how do we get kids or children or adolescents to start moving? If we know from a cultural or, you know, from a system standpoint, mm -hmm. because they don't have PE anymore. Right. Right. My kids don't have to, aren't required to go PE. PE was my favorite class. It's my daughter's definitely. Yeah. So in your school, you have PE. I love PE. My two favorite classes in school was PE and lunch. You know, lunch I love because I love to eat. And PE was because <laughs> I get to move and jump around, right? And do all the fun things that I love to do as a kid. Right. So it sounds like we're running into a problem. So do you have any ideas, maybe culturally or from a system standpoint, what we can do to help with, you know, play and physical activity? I love how you ask simple questions. That's what I do for a living. That's good. Um, <laughs> I think first think about who, who we are as humans and how we choose, not even how we choose to behave, just our behaviors. Um, we are really a product of the communities that we are in, the relationships we're in, uh, uh, our workplaces, our home places, our neighborhood places, the, the people we are around. And, and so first and foremost, uh, that is a system. Those are our systems. And we have changed since you and I were kids in the 80s to a less physical uh, place. Um, still, I had Atari when I was little. Mm. Um, played Atari games a lot, but I was also outside till 10 p.m. Mm. Um, and so if you think about the culture of, let's just say, our society in the United States, and whether it's the culture of more uh, virtual play or sedentary play, sedentary mm -hmm. being I'm not moving as I do this, mm -hmm. um, it's not to say there's not benefits to the creative play. Like, for example, Hot Wheels. Um, I could play a Hot Wheels-based game where I get to trick out my own Hot Wheel and I get I get to venture into leveling up its capabilities and and, and I get to then use those capabilities uh, with or against other people who are either sitting next to, side, mm -hmm. next to me or not. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge, generative, creative, innovative way of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, it's quite possible a lot of the problems we face today will be solved by gamers. Um, uh, uh, there was a, a really cool TED talk about gaming will change the future. I forget who it was, but she made a good point that um, when I game, I, uh, I'm willing to take more risks. Mm. Even though I have stuff on the line, mm. 
I'm willing to take more risk with ideas and, mm. and challenging something. And, and hey, if I lose that character, it happens. Um, play, physical play is actually the same way, mm. right? Because when we go to play, there's not a huge amount on the line mm-hmm. unless we're like jumping off of tall towers and hoping that our parachute opens, that kind of stuff, which <laughs> is fine too. Um, when I think about like what is our society all about and what are the people around us doing from a physical play standpoint, we're just not moving as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so in addition to just the general people around us, if we if we bring this back to kids, uh, our parents, our family, our caregivers, the, the, the people who raise us are probably a top mm. shelf influencer in that, mm. especially up to eight years old, even into early tweens. Um, at some point that transitions and the influencers become my friends and the other, mm-hmm. the other mentors we start to see in our world. Uh, but what they're doing is what we're doing yeah. and what our adults are doing is achieving now close to 70% overweight, mm. um, uh, a, a proliferation of sedentary, activity thinking of those as two separate things now that there's there's how much do you physically actually move Mm -hmm. and the determinants of what that means for health and wellness and soul and and you know quality of life and then the separate thing is how much do you just spend sitting Mm. and that has extra detriments and different detriments and if our adults are doing that, our, you know, our parents when we're younger, our parents and our mentors when we're tweens, and then our peers and our mentors when we're in our teenage years, mm-hmm. then that is the culture I know. Um, it's true of everything. I reference whether or not I'm doing well enough as a parent, as a colleague, as any any role I play in society based on comparison around what I see around me. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the topics I was hoping that we would get to, which is about family. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. you touched on it. And so you're saying that up to about eight years, the the influencer for many children are going to be their caregivers or their family members, especially parents. Right. Mm-hmm. And have you seen an example like in your 20 plus years of practicing med- um, physical therapy? where you've seen uh, families do a really good job and maybe families who didn't do such a good job in like letting the children play or be, um, right. or get into movement. Right. Right. Um, so as context, uh, my role as a physical therapist is working with mostly kids with long-term disabilities like cerebral palsy or down syndrome. Mm. Um, it also includes kids who are deconditioned. It includes working with kids who have some injuries too. Uh, I have tons of examples of parents being elevating themselves as models of, of creating play and physical activity. In yeah. fact, um, I would put the bulk, I would put the cohort of families who I've worked with over 21 years mm. against any other set of families in this world for what, what selfless, proactive, mm. dig deep, grit like play promoting physical activity Mm. health promoting life promoting parenting looks like wow um it absolutely has changed who i became as a parent 10 years into my career Mm. um so that being said like i guess let me let me change my thought i can't think of an example where a parent's actively or you know family's active habits were obstacles to a kid being physically active Mm. or playing but in the context of what society is mm-hmm. and and the demands on adults and families to just make it mm-hmm. uh, neutral, 
just getting by is a negative for for kids engaging. Mm. In other words, we're in we're in an, I think we're in a, a state now where you have to actively do something and make a decision each morning you wake up as a parent or as, as you know a, a leader in your family mm. that we're going to be active today or we're going to engage and play and we're not just going to go about our, our our work and our business. Uh, and that wasn't true when you and I were kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it was run out and play. You're out till 10 p.m. when the sun's down. Come back for dinner. Yeah. Um, th- again, we were surrounded by this is just what you do. Sure. Sometimes we go inside and play play Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Right. After a couple hours, our parents said, "Go outside." <laughs> you know, like. Um, but that was the culture of what happened. And and now because we're not surrounded by that, I think as as parents. We actually have to find outlets to give us that influence because the main influence around us might be more of what you're talking about, which is a more sedentary, uh, less physically active way of being as a family. I mean, I think about tons of families I've worked with who our whole work in PT together is figuring out how to get uh, their seven-year-old daughter with Down syndrome able to ride bikes with her brothers, mm. right? Mm. And And when it wins... It's because the parents are proactive enough to say, yeah, we got to find funding for this bike that needs a little extra equipment so that she can pedal mm-hmm. and, and the payoff's grand because, you know, I'll get, I'll get an email or they'll come in next time with, with a video of them out in the trails riding and, and their daughter with Down syndrome keeping up with the brothers. I mean, cool. I would say that, you know, as I'm talking is the subset of families of children with disabilities, long-term disabilities are mm. doing that wake up every morning and proactively say, mm. we're going to be about this today. Yeah. It's not a passive role. And maybe that's a great model for us. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I never really thought about was like intention, mm. you know, like intention of like want, needing to play or adapting mm. to play um, because of the long term, you know, disability or the, 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 the things that they're living with. Right. right. And figuring out like, how is this going to look like? I think that we take it for granted, you know, a lot of us, um, I'm sure hopefully our listeners aren't, I'm not trying to categorize them, but I think that one of the things I'm getting is that awareness is like a huge part, right? Of like, so. yeah, I mean, that's what I, an intention, right? And planning um, sounds like it's a really big issue or big part because especially with COVID happening, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of our regular rituals um, started to go away, like, right? Like the swimming pool. Like, so mm-hmm. my kids and I, we like to go swimming. And so um, my youngest daughter is a swimmer. And uh, when COVID happened, you know, it was really hard to get into the water. So we found other things to do, but that was her main physical activity. My two oldest are dancers, right? And that limits us. Um, yeah, we have, we're fortunate enough to have space in our house to dance, but it's different than dancing with a company or a group of people, right? And so I've seen mm-hmm. like the, like, uh, the, the community shrink yeah. into like families. And I think that the other concern that I have is the fact that families aren't moving as much or adults aren't right. Because I know that adults, you know, only, a, a, you know, 30% of them actually are doing the 150 minutes per week. Right. Right. So if they're the main example and the people who are being intentional, I think that there might become a problem, right. If we're not care, if we're not careful about planning right. and being intentional about what's happening around that. It's funny because if you're listening right now, either you're saying, yeah, I'm on board, or you're saying, that's pie in the sky because mm-hmm. that that takes resources, that takes 
um, intention, like you said. It takes community. It takes um, it takes something that many of us as as families don't have bandwidth for 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 very good reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, from a systems perspective, we've totally failed at physical activity. Yeah. Um, and think of think of what those systems are. There there are our neighborhoods and how we set up neighborhood and community. Mm-hmm. There are schools. And, and what the school could be both during and after school for, mm-hmm. for building physical activity, health and wellness. There are families, um, there are workplaces. Um, at the end of the day, it, it's, it's very much a, um, what do you call it? A, uh, self-organizing reality mm-hmm. that we haven't prioritized play and physical activity in those, those ways. Um, for whatever reasons, that we don't. It's a reflection of what we've prioritized. And and again, mm-hmm. having lived 47 years, that has changed. And why wouldn't you expect a society to change? Yeah. Um, but as I, it just it it's really hard in my heart to sit here and and just preach this. Mm-hmm. Having walked for 21 years with a majority of families who are like, yeah, I'd like to do more for my kid. I'm doing everything I can. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is what I got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there are so many real barriers to doing this. Yeah. Well, what what barriers or obstacles do you think are the primary ones? I know you've just touched on a few from mm-hmm. a community standpoint. And, you know, I think what I heard you say as well was um, this idea about safety, you know, about mm-hmm. like having safety for our kids to have a place where they feel safe. Well, I think a lot of us are wondering what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And that would be like one of the obstacles I hear often when I talk to uh, people. But I just want to know, like, if you can maybe just lay it out for us. Like, what are some of the obstacles you think okay. both play, but also maybe, you know, movement? Okay. Know? I think there's there's obstacles, but they're only obstacles for an underlying reason. So I'll, I'll lay out some ideas of what I think are obstacles to getting physically active, to, to playing more. And then I'm going to say, but. Mm-hmm. All right. So if we think about spaces that we live in, um, you know, the current model of development of neighborhoods is to plop a couple nice parks in a neighborhood with a play structure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a destination to get out of your house to. Mm-hmm. Um, however, kids at least will spend three to 10 times longer engaging something natural mm. in a space mm. than they will a play structure on a playground. Mm. It's not to say that the play structures don't inspire fun play. They're mm-hmm. a part of the picture. Mm-hmm. But how many neighborhoods allow for open destination spaces that are fun to kind of just exist in? You know, Mm -hmm. like I can picture, for example, I live in Portland. Uh, Gabriel Park is a very expansive park. It has traditional play area. It has hills and fields. It's got lots of open spaces. It's got trees with a ravine with trails that are walking through. It's got a skate park. It's um, Mm. It's got places to go and be. And... That diversity of fun, engaging destinations for me to get out to mm-hmm. brings a whole variety mm-hmm. of people out there. Mm-hmm. What do I see in, in, for example, in a development with a play area? I mostly see younger families with their younger kids playing. And mm-hmm. it's not that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you go through those neighborhoods on a beautiful sunny afternoon and nobody's playing on it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so... 
there are barriers to how we set up physical space um, for movement and going places. Mm. Um, schools, which uh, schools are doing the best. Mm. Um, they are doing their best. Um, they're trying to get the physical activity. They're trying to get PE, you know, preserving recess. Um, but I feel like even in the past 20 plus years, and especially becoming a parent, is the impetus on schools is to give my child the earlier and better learning experiences mm. that they mm. need as if as if we've we've taken learning and separated it from play mm. right and separate it from the physical side of learning mm -hmm. um, and that drive from the customer has driven schools to you know hone down on the academics earlier and you know what have we sacrificed mm -hmm. and Again, this is not a blame game. This is like, what is the society now asking for? What's surrounding me? And, 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 and what, is, what is influencing the decisions I make as a parent in, in a school, as a, an aide in the school, mm -hmm. as a teacher in the school, as an administrator in the school? Mm -hmm. um, those people who are doing it well in school, whether public or private, they're again making an intentional choice to, to buck the pre. Mm -hmm. pre predominant type of vibe that's mm. going on mm -hmm. um, because schools are a place that our kids spend six to eight hours or more depending on after school care. Mm -hmm. And when it's done well, it has a, a, a core, a, an integrative play and physical activity uh, spirit that, that honors the kids intentions and their motivations and what they want to go after. Mm. Um, and if we're going to change this, it's going to be a generational change and, Planting that seed in childhood is going to be huge. And then I'd say the last one is probably our, our healthcare system in general. Um, and this is our wheelhouse because we're physical therapists. Mm -hmm. um, healthcare's failed this. Um, not because we can't demonstrate that if we promoted this more, we'd save money and make better health because we haven't jumped. Mm. Um, and, you know, I can speak best on a local level. Our students leave our school with this, this community, health, wellness, physical activity is the key to so many problems we have with health. And then they get in the real world and they're surrounded by not quite that as being the thing that's valued for them. Mm -hmm. it's a, it, they're, they're valued for delivering care for the people who are already sick. They're valued for, you know, their skills in uh, reactive health care, yep. you know after the injury. Yep. Um, there's nothing in our systems that promotes anyone who goes in the healthcare system to put time, energy, and creativity and innovation into this. And so that that's a problem too, because I think the healthcare system has acknowledged that they are part of the big stewards of our, our nation's health, but um, that's, a, that's a barrier. Yeah, I, I like how you summarize those three things. There's so many things I could touch on, but I think I wanna touch maybe on the healthcare system. Where, you know, I think one of the issues that we're running into is the fact that population health or prevent preventative health mm -hmm. is not something that we look on, right, mm -hmm. um, deeply. I know there's funding that's um, put into it, and I know that they're trying to roll things out to try to help. But I think there's also, uh, yeah, I think there's also kind of a, a belief that, that that just naturally should happen, you know, mm -hmm. like you should take care of yourself and you should exercise and eat healthy. I right? love the word should. I don't love it at all. Yeah. Anyone who says the word should has automatically doomed 
the reality of most people out there to actually do it. Yeah. It's a terrible word that I appreciate you using it because yeah. I want to point out that when I say, hey, Dan, you should go work out more. Yeah. That only disempowers you and puts you in a place of being less likely to go work out. Yeah. So instead of the word should, what word do you like? Um, possibility. Mm. I think as, well, as healthcare professionals, but especially in our role in the academic clinical preparation world where mm -hmm. we have more time and we're not put to the screws like, mm -hmm. like our colleagues are in the healthcare system, uh, we have a call to create space for, for our fellow clinicians and those leaders in the healthcare to step forward towards this. Yeah. Um, so possibility is nice. Like, hey, Dan, do you think it's possible that maybe you and I could go, you know, mm -hmm. maybe maybe do a hike in the gorge together, mm -hmm. right? Versus Dan, you should you should you should you should hike more. Mm -hmm. um, there's this. This leads really nicely to the butt behind the obstacles. Mm -hmm. um, underlying whether those are barriers or not mm -hmm. is pretty much how we value relationship, because play and physical activity in relationship is super rewarding. Mm -hmm. It ties to where we put our priorities for stewarding our soul, mm -hmm. right? And the soul being, you know, our biological existence, mm -hmm. our psychological existence, our social existence, and our spiritual existence. Mm -hmm. And how play and physical activity really can feed that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, if you think about what I'd love to do if I really played and really went out in physical activity, mm -hmm. I'd love my gifts that God's given me mm -hmm. to sing when I do that. Mm -hmm. It could sing in relationship with someone else who's coming alongside with something we love doing together. Mm -hmm. It could sing in how uh, I just create and enjoy the activities that I'm doing or the play that I'm doing. Um, if that's strengthened, relationship, soul, and my own gifts, none of the other things I talked about are barriers. It doesn't matter what school I'm in. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what workplace I'm in. It doesn't matter uh, what's happening in healthcare. If I can sing and 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 mm -hmm. do things that bring those out, I will surmount the barriers. And and that's why I wanted to qualify. Like barriers are like facts on the ground, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's possibility out there that that we could actually elevate past that and and really feed yeah. our souls and other souls. Yeah, I like that. And I think that, you know, it reminded me of a model that you and I have talked a lot about, and that's getting, um, I think, more press and getting more popular, mm. which is the biocycle social, which we know about, but also adding the spiritual component of mm -hmm. it. And I think when you talk about uh, nature, I really reflected on that. Mm. And um, one of the things, um, and I'm, you know, this story is with my dad is my dad came from North Korea to South Korea. And uh, his, he told me his childhood ended about the age of uh, 10 um, because that's when the war was starting to begin. And what happened was is that my grandfather was no longer there and uh, because of um, circumstances. And my dad had to take his uh, five brothers and sisters and his mom across the border from North to South Korea. And he told me he saw lots of things. Um, he doesn't want to really talk about it with me, but he said he saw a lot. Mm -hmm. and, but he said to me his childhood ended there. And so he didn't play much. And uh, when we immigrated here to the States, uh, it was very important for him to um, uh, be successful, right? Mm -hmm. And so he worked extremely hard, right? And um, he, he served a church well, and he was a great parent, but 
he just didn't know how to play because it was a lot of it was really hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one moment in my life where I remember playing with my dad, which was uh, he loved to fish. And uh, he would wake me up on Sunday morning and uh, we would go fishing together. And um, uh, I remember one time we and we would try to do this very often. I, I, there was a streak where we used to do it for years and we would go fishing every other Sunday. And uh, I remember one time we were out together and I looked and the sun was rising because we would always go really early. And I looked across the ocean and the sun was coming up and there was that orange hue Mm -hmm. and the mountains were right behind us. And uh, my little brother was next to me and my dad was a little further away, maybe about 10 yards away. And I saw this, this view of nature and family and God and um, just being active because we always had to hike into these places mm-hmm. of feeling so alive, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and my dad turned to me at that moment and he turned to me and he smiled. And I would tell you, it's one of the only times I've ever seen him smile in my, in my, in my life because his life's been pretty hard. Right. Yeah. I mean, we came over with nothing and he worked his uh, way up. Right. But I saw him smile at me. And I don't even remember if we caught fish or not, but I remember walking out with my dad and it was a couple of miles out and we were walking out and he just looked at me and I looked at him and we're walk, treading through the uh, sand and, was, you know, we're tired because we woke up early, but I never felt more happy at that moment. Like what you were talking about mm-hmm. fulfillment, mm-hmm. right? And I would wake up at three or four in the morning every Sunday. There was, it wasn't even an obstacle. It was, I knew I was right. going to go fishing with my dad and my brother Right. And those moments to this day are still like the most precious things that I have yeah. and why I love, I, you know, people love the water for many reasons. For me, it always reminds me of that moment when I looked across and I felt everything coming together at that moment, like everything is good in this world. Um, I sense God's presence with us and I was in community and I was doing something that I loved, you know. And so I really appreciate you bringing those things up. And. I guess the next question I want to ask you then is why as adults do we forget about playing or being, you know, adding movement? And I'd be the first one to tell you that. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't get to fish as much. I don't hardly take my kids fishing anymore. We do other things, right, as a family. Like, we like to hike together. And, you know, my kids love to dance. And so I'm there and I'm the dance dad, which I love being. (laughs) But, you know, for even in my own life, you know, as an adult, like, can you maybe talk about that as we're, kind of thinking about play and uh, families? You're asking the person who chose a career based on the fact he could get paid to play. That's that's a great question. That's why I invited you. <laughs> um, if should doesn't work mm. and possibility could work, mm-hmm. why don't we chase the possibilities of doing those things with our families, with our friends, for ourselves and for others? Mm. <clears throat> I want to give something that's of value. I mean, we know we're all too busy. Yeah. We Honestly, we also all know that although the COVID pandemic pandemic has had us pull back and treasure what we really treasure in this world, mm-hmm. that at this point we're starting to re or infill all that work and all that all that task that we do. Mm. Um I'd ask, have you ever asked yourself as an adult, what are the two or three things you really stand for in this world? Mm-hmm. 
and really done like deep work and you know thought, prayer, journaling, whatever it is that takes you to a space of just knowing yourself better at a deeper level, knowing the gifts that you have, understanding what you really stand for, mm. what you're committed to in this world. And then if you were to do that and over time come to understand, like, I stand for creating creating a, a family where my daughter and my wife grow into the best versions of themselves, mm. you know, or I, I stand for teaching and walking alongside because I, I stand that teaching is walking alongside and learning together. Mm. Like if you knew what you were all about in this world mm. and could do that, and then you held up all the things you have that you do throughout your week against that as a litmus test. I'm pretty sure 60 to 80% of those things would fall off as not being in alignment with those things that I stand for. Mm. And yet we continue to do them. We do them for good reasons. We do our work for good reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, we do, we do um, organizations we're part of for a good reason. We do chores and, and fix things around our house for good reasons. Mm -hmm. We engage conversations with people. We serve for good reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, for some reason, one of those good reasons or those top things we stand for isn't our own health and, and creative mm -hmm. wellness and soul all the time. Mm -hmm. Like if we're here talking about like, why do adults stop playing and why do adults get less physically active? Um, at the end of the day, we've done some version of what I just described and we've crowded those things out as mm -hmm. I'll get to those when I need to. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but we're. I hate cliche sayings, but we're we're going too fast to stop and take take stock and and decide what it is we stand for, mm. and then decide to say no to things. Now, you and I about life and career and family spend a lot of time talking about this, mm -hmm. and and realize that saying no to someone for something that would be good work with them, or or saying no to some new project in our work, or or saying no to some kind of endeavor related to other things in our life is painful and we feel like we're letting someone down and we feel like we're, we're, we're not giving something that we should give. Mm. And there's that word. Mm -hmm. If we keep saying yes and we keep doing that and we don't take and hold the things up that we're putting our time and resources to mm. up to that litmus test of what do I stand for in this world? Mm. And we're not going to be courageous enough to say no, even when it might hurt. Mm -hmm. Then how is something else ever going to fill in? Like if right now you're listening to this and going, yeah, I've, because I went through this too. I've in my life, I've, I've lost the playful child inside myself and I want that back right now. Mm. Then that's going to take work to create space and possibility for that to happen. And it's going to be abandoning some of those shoulds that you think you should do, mm. which those shoulds are good work that will yield good benefit, mm -hmm. but maybe they don't align with where you need to be, where God wants you to be, where, where the gifts that you were given to, mm. to fully express need to be. And I'll be honest, I feel like my life is singing and that my contribution to this world and, and what we're doing mm. is at its highest when I'm playing a lot and when I'm physically active. Mm. And maybe that's not true for everybody. I mean, I, I can only speak from my experience, but um, that's true to who I am. And 
when I'm just like, I feel like I'm vamping and, and spinning my wheels and I'm wondering about these, should I be doing it things? I usually step back and realize, okay, you're one, you're not playing enough. And two, you're not being physically active. You're not playing volleyball. Like you like to play, you know, you're not mm -hmm. taking, you're not taking a run when you could, you mm -hmm. know, and, um, but you got to create space for it. And even the process of doing that, mm -hmm. of taking stock of your life is almost an insurmountable obstacle for many people, if, mm -hmm. if not a majority of people and families, because there are just real things happening, not just now COVID, but all the time mm. that you just can't find the bandwidth to even get there. Yeah. Um, I would say this one thing, it's really hard to get there as an individual and do it yourself. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to get there if someone you trust can come alongside you and do that. Yeah, I agree. So. Yeah, finding that, that type of community, it's not easy at this mm -hmm. point, right? I mean, I think that's one of the things that we're figuring out with this topic is that it's a lot more uh, that's, I want to say complex, but I think it's more, it's uh, layered, you mm -hmm. know, this understanding mm -hmm. of play and physical activity mm -hmm. and movement and uh, families. I think in conclusion today, if you have any other, like maybe, um, like last thoughts or maybe um, things that you think that, you know, the listeners might find helpful in your 21 year experience as a physical therapist and just as a parent and as a human, like, is there anything that you would like to share with uh, the listeners? Sure. But this is going to totally categorize me as, as a nerd. Um, <laughs> if you read fantasy, like Lord of the Rings type stuff. Uh, one of my favorite authors is Brandon Sanderson right now. Mm. Um, mind blowing author. Mm. Um, definitely fulfilling his gifts and stepping into new possibility as a writer. Uh, but he, in, in, in the series I'm reading right now, which is the Stormlight Archive, uh, one of the mantras that one of the main characters comes to realize and struggles with over the course of two books is this, this idea thrown at him by, his, by uh, uh, the king of what's the most important thing a man can do. Mm. And he wrestles a little bit with different ideas, but the most important thing you can do, or the most, he comes up with the most important step is just taking the next step. Mm. If I were listening to this right now and thinking, yeah, there it is again, just buzzing me about getting a little more physical active, physically active or, or all of a sudden you've lit up that kid in me and I want to play that next step is just go do something that lights you up. Let's say you've been, you've been driving by this sweet climbing gym for months and months. And yeah. you're like, why do I not go in there? Just go in there and mm -hmm. go climb. Or if you've been thinking, oh, you know, I've been really busy, but my kids are into Legos. and I miss Legos. Just go build a castle with your kid mm. and just do it. And that's all you have to do. You don't have to put any more to it. You don't have to expect anything from it. Mm. Um, my experience working with kids and, and, and their families, and I know a lot of your experience with adults is um, forget about the therapy stuff you have to do or the things you think you know. It's like you, you try to get your patient or that family to just say, like, what lights you up? Mm. How can I help you get to do that? So then go find someone who's going to help you go do that crazy thing that you want to do. Go, go fishing, you know, go fishing this weekend. Mm. Um, say at Christmas break on the way to our drive to the family in Bend, 
We're just going to stop in sisters and we're going to, you know, do whatever that thing that always I drive by every time I go to Bend. And I'm like, oh, that seems like that'd be really fun. Mm. Like, just take a next step and, and try it because anyone can do that. And you don't need resources and you don't need any, any, any uh, special expectation. You just, just do it. Yeah. I like that a lot. I know that there's a neuroscientist that we've quoted here, Andrew Huberman um, in Stanford. And he says that um, movement follows mood or something like that. Mood follows movement. That's right. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I always uh, forget about that. And I think that's what you're saying. You know, it's like, uh, you know, take that next step. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to confess, I don't, uh, I used to be very physically active. And, uh, you know, I get these spurts um, this morning. I'll just share with you. Mm-hmm. I have a rower. And um, rowing reminds me of the ocean. Um, It reminds me of water. And it's something that I grew up next to um, down in where I'm from. And uh, when I feel overwhelmed, sometimes I will get up and go downstairs and row for five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. whatever I can do. And I would tell you, that's my next step. Uh, You know, this morning I had a lot on my plate coming in. And the first thing I thought to myself was, um, you know, I spent some time in prayer. But the second thing was I jumped on the rower. And I rode for five minutes and it just clears my mind. And it reminds me of swimming or surfing or fishing and all the things that I love about the water. And it just feels so good to me to think about that. So I really appreciate the reminder. And I just hope that the listeners know that it might be just doing something for five, 10, 15 minutes, just starting totally, with the yes. next step, right? And then building off of that and seeing like what really lights you up. Well, but, if the camera's on your face, as you just said that, it lit you up. It's funny to think that a rower in your house would light you up, but yeah. but that's what you're seeking with the next step is, is like, what lights me up in this world? And if there's any expectation for taking the next step, it's just like, expect that, that you might get a little fire lit in you about something. And if you don't, or if you don't do it, Give yourself grace that it's just another day. Yeah. But that's another thing. Like physical activity talk is terrible. You know, recommendations about how much physical activity, they're just standards that we're all failing on. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't give ourselves enough grace for for just saying, well, I'll just go do the next step later. You know, like that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming out and Mm -hmm. sharing this topic with us. Um, I think it was uh, very helpful for our listeners, and uh, I know that I really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you. Likewise. Thanks for sharing, too. Yeah. Kind of got me all cheerful, you know. Well, of course. (laughs) This has been a production of George Fox Digital. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to George Fox Talks on Apple, Spotify, or whatever you're streaming on. Check us out on the web at georgefox.edu slash talks, where we have videos, publications, and more. And we're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash georgefoxtalks.